Hello, Born Funny listeners. <laughs> like every time I start this, well, you're not happy with it. No, no, because like it's it's so weird to do something with you because I've been doing radio with you for ten years, mm. and but like. And even other podcasts and stuff we've done, there'd been something. There's some normally sound. Something. And normally, so just, so just it's to, a cold start. Yeah. So for everyone listening, Nathan and I have been sitting here talking to each other. Mm. And then Nathan goes, all right, we're just talking about the footy or whatever. Nathan goes, all right, you ready? I go, yep. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I'll like, be, and I'll be honest. I'm going to be perfect, completely honest with you and everyone yeah. listening. Oh, I freak out. <laughs> Because there's no real... sound, because I can't no. play any sound. And Nathan looks, he doesn't look at me, he sort of looks to the right. Because I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it is. I feel we, uncomfortable. We were just chatting the whole time, and then it's like, <clears throat> hello. No, because because, because, because <laughs> we, we're, we're from a radio world where everything's like, you know, wish, bang. There's tsh, always something happening. Yeah, off a song or off some sort of opener, some or jingle yeah. or something, right? Uh, but with this, it's just, this is called a cold start where there's nothing. No. And that's what they do. So now I don't know, I freak out a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to start. Yeah, no, it's fine. But it's I also kind of like that it's different every time. No, no, I do. I do enjoy it. I like listening back to it. I don't listen to the podcast. You just listen to I this. Listen to the how? Start what bit. wacky way, Nathan? Get to start born funny like, this I time. Listen again. Oh, look, this is episode seven of Born Funny. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to the others, um, go do that. Uh, this Especially is... the last one, Gerald and Nikki. Yeah. All, all of them. Yeah, they're all very good. They're all good. Um, uh, but they get better. Mm. Um, they're like red wine. They it's get mainly us. The guest doesn't get better. We get better. We get better. We're, we're figuring it out. Mm. Um, and episode seven, Tom Ballard. It's a shorter episode. I do remember that because we stuffed up the time it was supposed to start. Yeah, we did. We were really late. We, we recorded this months ago. No, remember because he, we got, there was a mix up. Yeah. We thought it was starting at one. He thought it was starting at 12. Yeah. So, so we, he got in at 12. And then when we got in, I think Nathan and I tried to get in earlier. So we got mm. in 12 30 and then he goes, guys. My cleaner's coming over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so well, he said, well, first of all, things are going all right in the comedy world for you. <laughs> Tell him to have a cleaner. <laughs> cleaner. Um, so it's, I think I, off the top of my head, this is a shorter podcast. Mm. And um, uh, he has a very easy life, I think we do. Well, he's very smart at school. I think he was, was he ducks or school, school captain. captain? Apologies, it's been a while yeah. since we... Lots of friends. Yeah. <laughs> Supportive family. You know what, skip this one. <laughs> yeah, it's all, if you want to know somebody who just... Was super talented from the start. Funny. Funny and kind of reaped all the benefits of his talent. Him. (laughs) There you go. There's the episode. Enjoy. (laughs) Ah, funny people. An odd bunch, really. Not your usual folk. They've been making us knee slaps since the ancient Greeks. But what makes these real-life jesters tick? Perhaps today we should ask this person. Hi, it's Tom Ballard, the fat version of Joel Creasy. Tell me, were you born funny? Mm, I don't think so. No. <laughs> All right, Nathan, did you get the round of applause ready for our next podcast guest? And due to an absolute f- from our end, um, <laughs> this was supposed to start an hour ago, uh, so we don't have him for long. Um, so I'm just going to say, please welcome Tom Ballard. Oh, Tom Ballard. Oh! <laughs> and Tom, I want you to look all that yellow. That was your intro. Yeah. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. It was it was great. I'll text it to you. The thing is, Tom, we're so good at doing the intros. It's normally the 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 real high point of the interview, and then it kind of goes all downhill. But because we were so late to this, we've really run out of time. So we did the interview. <laughs> It would, it, we did we can only go up from here, gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have to get home to let my cleaner into my apartment. Is that, is that relatable what, is that to anyone leaving? <laughs> well, I can't. You book a cleaner and then they can't just wait outside. Uh, well, can they? Clearly, comedy's going well. He's got a cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> 
Money Look, bags. She's from another Bella. country and she gets paid in peanuts. So it's, <laughs> it's no, fine. that's not true. I, I respect all the working class. Sorry, carry on. Um, Tom, one of the things I was going to mention in your intro, but we obviously cut it, um, uh, was that you were school captain in Ducks. So when mm-hmm. you look, when you look back to your time at school, were you a funny person? No, I don't think so. This a regular question is class clown. Were you the class clown? Yeah. And I think a lot of comedians sort of say no. The class clown was sort of someone who was just des- uh, sort of um, who wanted to screw up the lesson or whatever. And the comedian is much more likely to be the quiet person in the quarter, sort of taking notes and storing it all away and being like, "This will become material down the track." <laughs> And I think a comedian wants to control the way that people laugh around you, whereas the class clown will literally fall over or drop their pants or, you know, say... Oh, so you've seen how gear before. (laughs) (laughs) You know how we work. Oh, you've seen our Instagram video. (laughs) Big fan of your Uber. Um, But, yes, so no, I was an absolute nerd and teacher's pet and I was just... It was just instilled in me from my parents to, you know, do well at school, take it very seriously, probably too seriously, get sad when you don't... Get an A plus on a test, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> yeah, and yes, yeah, so I was quite a um, quite a SWAT, quite a teacher's pet. Tommy, do you remember the the subjects at school that you you really dominated in? Was there was there was there a particular stream of subjects where you're like, yeah, this is the shit. Tom Ballard nails this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did do theatre studies and drama as year 12 subjects, yep. um, which I did do very well in. I did very well in English as well. My mum was an English teacher. Um, I also dropped all science and maths from year nine onwards. So it was all arty-farty language, anything to do with performing or words, then yes, that's absolutely what I was doing. And I also did the first year of a philosophy course, which also helped bump up my score. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, just thinking good words and, um, and just having heaps of sex. Those are my big <laughs> the ones that I was That's really good. In, in that order. Yeah, yeah. In that order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom, well then, when you look through school, was there, was there any comedy or was it more of a performance? Like, was it more theatre and, and drama? Yeah, so it's so I start doing theatre when I'm like eight years old. I get yep. involved in amateur um, um, theatre productions. And I play the role of Blitzen in Rock and Roll Santa, oh, which nice. did have a lot of laughs in it. And I, I still have this very vivid memory of me being... Uh, Blitzen, who was so stupid, he didn't even know his own name. Whenever anyone said Blitzen, he'd say, Blitzen, who's that? And yeah. it was him, and that was comedy. <laughs> and put him, you guys get it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And there was a scene when I was in a pram on stage. I was hidden in a pram, and other characters were playing out the scene, and then at one point I popped out of the pram, and someone had said Blitzen. I said, Blitzen, who's that? And my memory is that the entire theatre at the Warnable Performing Arts Centre exploded with laughter. People were rolling in the aisles, and this wave of laughter hit me, and it was the best high I'd ever had at that point at, was, at eight years old. Was that the first like laugh that you remember? Yeah, but it, and then it was like, I didn't even connect to getting laughs. It was just like attention and being on stage. And then I'm like, oh, clearly I'm going to be the greatest actor of my generation. Right. And so it was always like, I'm going to go to NIDA, I'm going to go to VCA. And then when I'm 14, the Class Clowns Comedy Competition happens, which is the Melbourne Comedy Festival's high school comedy competition. Right, okay. And I'm like, oh, I get to be on stage, get attention, there's no one else there, and I get to, I guess, make people laugh or get positive reinforcement immediately. So, yeah, I sort of start doing that. I'm, I'm doing the Class Clowns Competition but not actually being a class clown in, in class. So that fir- so that first draw to, to like having that attention and, and, and that, um, I guess, that success on stage wasn't necessarily from the laugh. It could have been from anything. If you, got, if you did the Blitzen line and got a standing ovation, it, yes. would have been, it would have been that same impact. It wasn't necessarily the laugh. It was just some sort of sense of approval for what you're doing. Yes, if people started crying with the beautiful force of my performance in Blitzen the Reindeer, <laughs> I would have accepted that. Yes, it was... 
it was just being about the center of attention and um yeah showing off i guess really yeah so, so what me. drew you to the class clown competition was that comedy or was it performance still I think it was more, I think like, cause I, I must've been watching the Oxfam gala on TV every year. I think we've taped them onto VHS and I would watch that over and over. And I think what attracted me is that he's just a single person on the stage and everyone seems to like them. Right. And they get to make up stuff and they get to show off and people clap and applaud and laugh. Yeah. And so I think it's, yeah, being attracted to that idea of being a single performer on stage and then class clowns come up and goes, Oh, I could try and do that, I guess. And at that point, I'm doing public speaking competitions as well. So it's just like a level of confidence on stage, which is half the game, I think, when you're starting out in comedy. If you just don't come across as terrified yeah. and people think, oh, this person could kind of figure out what talking to a group of people is like, then I think that's what kind of got me going, yeah. The public speaking side of things, would mm. you insert uh, bits of comedy into that as well? Because I'm assuming that you, you got different topics and you had to kind of create a, a, a piece, a, a speech around that. Would yes. you use comedy as a tool in that, si- in that side of things or it hadn't kind of crossed your mind yet? I think so, yeah. I think I must have done, yes. It was always advice of like either open with a joke or have some space for humour in your... <laughs> Wonderful um, speech about cyberbullying. They're always about cyberbullying <laughs> all the time. Cyberbullying and the obesity crisis. That was that was the topic of every high school and I love, speaking. And I love that, that you had to draw it out of a hat, didn't you? It was like on a bit of paper and it's like, oh, what have I got today? Oh, it's cyberbullying. Oh, for right. for <laughs> obese people this time. Obese kids are getting cyberbullied. <laughs> and we've got to stop it, guys. Yes, yes. I think probably comedy is in there. And now, even as I think about it, I also used to do... Jesus, this is it. humiliating. I used to <laughs> write this poems. Is about. Oh, no. I used, I used to write poetry for something. I had this poetry craze, and I used to get up at assemblies and would read out my poems, and I think one of them was about toilets, and I think was, I think the, the end of it was, like, and they're a great place for farts, which rhymed with something else, and that brought the house down as well. <laughs> God, I'm just remembering this now. Yeah, great, great year. So, so you, you would use comedy in your speeches, and then also in the poetry as well, so that, that yes. performance element, it, mm. was, it was always there. When, was, it, was there a moment where, I mean, it might have been with the class clowns and stuff, when you were like, okay, I want to hone this kind of performance into a more comedic sphere as opposed mm. to cyberbullying speeches or and poetry. What like was there was there a moment where it kind of clicked and you're like, okay, let's go, let's go down this angle and really focus here. I think uh, so Class Clans has a series of heats and yep. so you do the first heats and then you go to the state final and then the national final. Yeah. And so I did the first heat and I think I'm pretty sure everyone else did pretty badly, and just through my confidence and delivery, I, I, I sort of stood out as doing okay in that heat. So that was quite a, I mean, it's very addictive. People will tell you the first time you, you do a good gig, it's quite it's quite addictive when you get that laugh and you kind of like you're desperate to do it again very quickly. Then I yeah would have gone through the the state final and won that, and then eventually made to the national final, which was hosted by Ross Noble and is at the oh, main wow. town hall at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So this is it's an insane step up, like your third gig. <laughs> it's in front of twelve hundred school students being hosted by one of the funniest dudes on the planet. <laughs> yeah. But I was so addicted. To, like, I just had my mind blown. It, was just, it just seemed so magical. The Melbourne Comedy Festival seemed so magical. So I was really in, involved in that. Then I lost that, which was the greatest travesty in showbiz history. Oh, do you and remember probably, who you lost to? I think it was a guy called Toby, actually, who I don't think does comedy anymore. No. Uh, I think he's probably gone. This is pretty him. awkward because we have Toby as our next guest. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to be late for Toby's interview either. <laughs> <laughs> We love Tony. And He's... The tests have come through. He's the father. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs>
so, sorry, when Tom, when this is happening, you're talking about you know your parents and you're very studious. Are, are they encouraging this behaviour, or are they want wanting you to take a different <laughs> a different route? I think my mum regrets it because she encouraged me to audition for the musical when I was eight years old. Right, really yeah. had a lot of energy, and she's like, "This kid needs to get out of the house <laughs> and project this somewhere else." And they were very encouraging of the theatre and got involved in the musical theatre groups that me and my brother were involved in. And then, and public speaking, they're on board with as well. When we move into comedy, this is when some concerns are raised. My mum's a careers was a careers teacher as well as English teacher <laughs> oh, as well, great. so she's <laughs> big on the old fallback as yeah. Judy Ballard. Completely understandably, thought, "What the hell? Like, you don't want to do this for a living, do you, Tom? This this seems ridiculous." <laughs> yeah. So generally supportive, but I would say occasionally concerned and often quite embarrassed, particularly when I start doing material that's um, a little bit risque. Yeah. So so when you're leaving school, like, what are are you looking to do fallback? So you're just like, I'll tell mum whatever she needs to hear and I'm going <laughs> to pursue this this really seriously. Well, the, the, there are a few avenues because in 2006, I then do the Raw Comedy Competition, which is the adult version yeah. that Triple yeah. J supports. Um, and uh, I made it to the national final in that year and I lost to some person called Hannah Gadsby. I don't know. I've never heard of her. But yeah, no. No. No, she's not quite Toby though, is she? No. No. And then from that... Were interested in me again. A radio station no one's ever heard of, yeah. and um, <laughs> hit hit for life. And um, <laughs> hey, this is listener. This Same is listener. Listener. Oh, listener. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Those, those guys good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, we'll beep that out. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, it's all gone downhill that station. Anyway, as yeah. soon as I left, it became bad. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so so then they start approaching me and say, oh, maybe you want to do some radio stuff. Then we're starting to get some work in that respect. So, And this is all happening crazy young. And I still don't know who I am. I haven't come out yet. Yeah. My comedy is a dumb one-liners about my penis being the same size as a fun-sized Mars bar and <laughs> pigs not being, have, being able to look up. Like just ridiculous nonsense that I was just, it was just comedy. I was just trying to do anything that, that worked at all. So your, your um, understanding of a joke, where, where mm. did, I mean, before I, I guess you became a fully fresh comic and you knew how to craft a joke what were you basing your understanding of those one-liners and stuff on like how did you know what was funny and how to craft a joke when you when you were doing this as much as you could as mm. at a young age i don't know i mean half of it is instinctual but but then also yes i do have this analytical brain and i think will anderson said it once there are people who do funny and there are people who are funny yeah and i do think that's a big change so i'm as a all that teacher nerdy homework uh, motivation was then applied to the task of Joke writing. Yeah. So someone like Seinfeld is big for me, like and like the way that he breaks down and is just dedicated to making jokes as tight as possible and figuring out the order of stuff and like, oh, it's funny if you put that word at the end and you can lose this word and, you know, just constantly editing down to make a, a diamond or whatever of a joke. So that as opposed to some people who prepare nothing and get on stage and by the nature of the way they're up brain works <laughs> or by the way they're prepared to go with anything or fall over or do it they, they are just naturally and inherently funny and you almost you want to hear about them in any situation they'll do something funny or stupid often their personal lives are an absolute trade wreck yeah but um they are always a, a lot funnier so i definitely identify with the idea of working at it and doing it and writing and i you know i write all my comedy out on on a piece of paper and like read over it and and can memorize stuff very quickly so it's much more kind of Studious, um, really. Studious, yeah, yes. Yeah. Which, which would sound ridiculous, I think, to most people. Like, I mean, some people still think that you just make everything up on stage, but <laughs> no, it's like really, really specific word choice and like, like literally, um, yeah, writing out the text in full and sort of analyzing that. So, 
so yeah, all that is going into um, thinking. And I think I think it's you watch so much comedy. When I got obsessed with it, I was watching every possible DVD and every single example of stand up comedy that I could possibly find. And then you do start just sort of automatically going backwards. Like, oh, why does that work? And why does it, why does it not work when I, when I do it? Did you have any, like, at the time, did you have any kind of mentors or people, like, bringing you through comedy and teaching you stuff? Or, I mean, yes, you would watch them, but did they ever sit down and go, hey, Tom, that Mars bar penis gear, shit house, lose it. Like, <laughs> so I've seen your penis and it's massive. Uh, it's, it's like a curly whirly. Yeah. It's <laughs> Like a killer python. <laughs> okay, I'm 16, so if anyone's saying that, that's probably another story. Wait, you're 16 now? Point. Oh, no. really? <laughs> um, mentors, I mean, I start, once you start doing gigs, um, yeah, you sort of start to cross paths from people and uh, with people, and some people are very generous with their time. I'm trying to think now. I moved to Melbourne in 2008, so I moved from my hometown of Warrnambool in country Victoria to Melbourne in 2008. And I also was in the Comedy Zone that year, which is a showcase show the Comedy Festival runs. Yeah. Um, with me, Jack Trues, Jacques Barrett, and Lila Tillman, who doesn't do any, do comedy anymore. Um, and we were directed by, oh, uh, maybe it was Damien Callanan, I think. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to whoever that was. Anyway, uh, and Nellie Thomas was also, like, she was the yep. um, comedian who worked with us in Class Clowns as well. And... I mean, yes, there there is kind of a limit to how much mentors can do because really you just need to go up there and bomb and gig a lot and then eventually figure it out. And the breakthrough moment for me, I think, moving to Melbourne was when I started dropping all the one-liner stuff and started talking about the fact that I was that I was a gaybo, yeah. and um, <laughs> and that was just where my life was at. That was where the stories were coming from. That's where my comedy was sort of, you know, talking in a kind of profession, uh, confessional storytelling way. That was when I, it, things sort of started clicking for me and sort of made a lot more sense. Did you did you come out on stage or chat to Geraldine Hickey and she was talking about how she officially came, Hannah Gatsby invited her to the Adelaide um, Comedy Festival and there was yes. like a, she asked her to do a bit and then she just came out on stage and walked off and then it was and like, then, did you just come out on stage? Yeah. Gatsby gets up, Gatsby gets <laughs> up and goes, just so you know, that was her coming out. It's like, <laughs> she hasn't done that before. <laughs> Was this the first time or the second? Because I know second second time, came yeah, out, second then time. went back in yeah. the closet. <laughs> yeah. And then so was like, nah, just kidding. <laughs> uh, it was a bit. It was a joke. How, yeah. how was that for you? I mean, were you, was comedy helping helping that for you to come out? It was. I sort of I came out to a lot of my Melbourne comedy friends through, like, people didn't know. I'm not, like, a massively camp dude. And yeah. so people didn't really know. And then I got up on stage, did those jokes, came off stage, and people were like, oh, okay. Um, oh, that's what you go. That's your angle, is it? Um, yes. So, and that was extremely helpful. Yes. I mean, and and then since then, doing comedy about stuff in your life that you're worried about that you that affects you. While it's not the same as like therapy, and people should access professional help if they need it. Of but course. Just the catharsis of working through something that you're embarrassed about or ashamed about or that was bad, and if you can turn that into comedy to make other people laugh. And materially profit from that. That's quite a satisfying process. So did you, um, and do you still use comedy to, to help get through tougher things that are happening in your life? Like, is it as a, do you have to... Instead of going to therapy. Instead of going to therapy. <laughs> but, do, but do you, do you like, when, when something shit happens, are you looking for the funny in that? Or does it take time for you to heal and then you can make, make a joke about it? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly lately I've just been quite happy, so it's been terrible for my comedy. Um, and my stuff's a lot more political now. So, yeah. yes, expressing my anger and frustration at the state of the world can be can be helpful and cathartic. 
But certainly, yeah, if anything in your life goes to shit or something particularly bad pisses, yeah, happens or pisses you off, I've got a joke in the new show about um, <laughs> my boyfriend planning on surprising me for my birthday by taking me horseback trail riding, and um, he made a few calls, and uh, the horseback trail riding establishment had a rider weight limit policy, and at 122 kilos, I'm now officially too fat to ride a horse, which really feels rock bottom, because I was under the impression they were f- dirty animals. <laughs> So, the anger at being to miss out on the magical experience of riding a little pony then fuels uh, about 10 minutes of me yelling at the audience about how these f- blue factory rejects, <laughs> these little Shetland cucks, should harden the f- up. <laughs> what are they going to do? The horses aren't in the union, okay? Just tell me, tell them to ride, lift with their knees, and we'll f- sort it out. Give them a brace or something. <laughs> Yeah, Clydesdale or something. Yeah, Jesus I mean, surely, Christ. You, they need bigger horses. I, I've seen yes. some horses. Yeah. You can't tell me that Tom Ballard doesn't fit on any horse. Yeah. There's got to be a horse. Yeah. <laughs> we measure shit in horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an example of hilarious comedy yeah, that comes well, out of yeah, I mean, my, Nath, my Nath inability wants, to stuff eating pasta. <laughs> Nath once got told that he couldn't um, skydive because he was a bit too heavy for the skydiving. Yeah. And really? They, they I got went, the same thing. They went, you'll be, you'll be fine. And I went, that's not really... <laughs> Yeah, because they said, so it was the same thing. I mean, at the time I was over 110 and, and they I was, said. I was 109 when I went. Yeah. Yes, well I was they, so close. Well, they said to me, oh, I think I was like 111, 112 yeah. or something. And they were like, the weight limit's 110. Yeah. And I was like, you're telling me that the parachute, like <laughs> it, won't, it won't open or it just ceased to, like, is there any effect? <laughs> we'd, <laughs> like to, we'd like to have a real line ball call here at skydiving. We really want to. <laughs> You're going to skate by the, and, the skin of our teeth. And the way that they described it to me, Tommy, was the fact that it was like, you know when you have a shitty umbrella in a hurricane and it flips <laughs> inside out? <laughs> and I was like, I'll just watch. Oh, <laughs> God. We'll come back in a few days. I won't eat anything. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be great. So, so, so Tommy. Fat when, people want to do fun things too. <laughs> Let us fall from the sky. Please. We'll go faster. So adventurous. <laughs> um, Tom, when did it become a career? for you like i mean it feels like you had a lot of success early like was there ever a moment that you went hey this is this is my job now or did it did that ever occur to you yeah no i had to make that call i mean i did the comedy zone in 2008 and then in 2009 i i deferred uni for a year and then i i'd got into a law course and then i did decided to go to uni in 2009 sort of to please parents and like <laughs> pursue this fallback I, i'd auditioned for all the acting schools hadn't got into any of them 2009, I'm doing uni, I'm doing weekend breakfast on that uh, stupid radio station, mm-hmm. and then I also do my first hour at the comedy festival, Yeah, and that goes quite well. I uh, win the newcomer award and get signed up to a management, and the uni is not going well, and the radio is going well, and I'm like, I can't do all these three things. So yes, dropped out of uni and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do comedy here. And that was sort of, yeah, very, very um, explicit thing. I called up the Monash University. I said, I'm going to drop out to be a comedian. And the lady <laughs> on the line said, okay, cool. That sounds fun. Click. And just hung up immediately. <laughs> well, how right, did cool. the conversation with your mum go? I think by the time I got management, I got management who look after like Will and Dave Hughes yeah. and Adam Hills. They're like, okay, this, 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 this could be okay. You seem to be able to cover your rent. Um, mm. I'm, not asking, I'm not moving back in with them or anything. So I guess they said, we will to- tolerate this. 
um, please don't talk about us on stage. <laughs> and I have not honoured that wish. <laughs> <laughs> what about, I mean, Toby, what about the, the transition going from, I mean, prepared stuff that obviously you meticulously wrote out and learnt to, to radio, which is, of course, that, that live improv format. Was that mm. another skill that you, you had to, I guess, earn and, and, and build? Or was it one that came pretty naturally when you, when you jumped? Because you're on radio for a long time. I was still just totally figuring out my voice and stand up. And then, thank God damn, we're talking to people every day. And we still we're figuring out how radio works and what to do with that. I mean, you know, I never want to complain about these opportunities I got when I was young, but it's just sort of looking back and I'm like, I can't believe it, all that happened when I, I'm still figuring out who I am and what I think about stuff. And I was just broadcasting for three hours a day to the nation. <laughs> um, so yes, but then but then you improvise more, and then you, as you do more and more gigs, you get more comfortable on stage. And I think I think you just need a few massive bombs and a few massive kills under your belt. And then you get to a point where you go, well, even if this goes terribly, yeah, I will survive. You know, you bomb, you wake up the next day, you feel feel bad for maybe a week. And when you're starting out, if you bomb, you're like, oh, I shouldn't do comedy. And now if I bomb, I go, well, that material sucks or I was very bad that night. But I know that I can make an audience laugh. And so you sort of, yeah, and you know how good it can be when, you, when you're killing, when it's really good. It's yeah. like the best feeling in the world. So I think once you've got those two sort of experiences under your head, then you then you just look forward to being on stage. and you you are way more prepared to go to weird improvised places you're doing crowd work you've just you just know that if you, you can just trust your comedic instincts to pursue something if if something comes up um spontaneously on the night uh, and, and and you apply exactly the same skills to to radio and broadcasting yeah. and did that of course you're on air with with Alex Dyson as well before Matt came in um mm-hmm. did did that help in your kind of on air chemistry uh with him as well and and creating the show together the fact that you were you were i guess able to to work like in an improvised sense but also with another person like how how was that yeah, I mean, Alex and I are friends from way back. Like our parents, our mums were literally in nursing mothers together, right? Yeah, we grew wow. up in Warner together. So we knew each other really well. We found each other really funny. And Alex is so funny because he was never, he was never desperate for attention or a fame hall like me. And he's never, <laughs> you know, if he was another stand-up comedian, there might be some tension or anything. But it's just like we were just couldn't believe that we were where we were and we got to do this show. And Alex is just a very sweet, a generous guy that is, um, yeah, we were just two very different people that were just complimented each other pretty well, I thought. And sometimes, I don't know, I'd push things a little bit further than maybe Alex would like to. Alex, for a period, didn't swear at all, like refused to swear <laughs> in any context whatsoever. And I'm effing and Jeff and all over the shop. So that was sort of fun. And annoying him is really, <laughs> it's really fun too. Um, so yeah, that was sort of a beautiful sort of chemistry that we had going on, I think, yeah. Yeah. Was was that period of your life hard? Because I when I when I was looking at sort of, you know, your career and, and you're someone that, you know, I've watched and found funny for a long time and I didn't even realise you're born the same year as me. Right? We're both born in nineteen eighty nine. Oh, cool. And I feel like my sort of life and career, like I'm at a better stage now because I can talk and say things. You mentioned it earlier, like you're so young, you don't even know yourself. Were there was it hard? Were there struggles when you were trying to balance stand up comedy, doing radio and figuring yourself out? Yeah, I think that was certainly dealing with you know, the meet the kind of feedback that you get when you're in the public eye and you're that young trying to figure something out, particularly when you're doing something like The Breakfast Show on which is a lot of people have very strong feelings about. And we were quite shit for quite a while. I think that any objective summary of that. And then when you're getting up at 4am to go and be shit and have people text into the show to tell you how shit you are, you um, that can wear you down. I also went through a big breakup in 2010 after the first year in which, which we did uh, breakfast. That was uh, quite sad. But... 
on the whole, it was pretty cool. And certainly, I think by the second year, we, we were getting much closer to figuring out what the hell we were about and what, what, what was good, what was good about the show and what we wanted to do. And if nothing else, the skill that I've relied on or the thing that I have is this kind of blind confidence. I mean, you go into something like, I'm nervous about how this is going to go. I can either be nervous or I can just sort of pretend like I know what I'm doing. Fake it till you'll make it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've certainly done that throughout my career. So it's just easy for Tom that's, that's what I figured out well, I, I, just, I, I was smart yeah. at school oh, I had yes. a supportive mother I was just I had to figure it out I just figured it all out and I just did everything and they gave it to me and now my cleaner comes to clean my house <laughs> you Tom you, you Tom Jesus Christ <laughs> oh I, I was gay though I was gay oh, the whole sorry, time no, yeah. And yeah. for a period, we weren't allowed to get married. And yeah. someone tweeted something mean to me once. So it's actually pretty hard. Yeah. I take it all back. I take it all back. Oh, so thank sorry. you. Tommy, I mean, obviously, huge success in radio. <laughs> huge. <laughs> and I can't ride a horse. They won't let me. I'm too fat for a <laughs> we'll find a horse for you, Tom. We'll, find we'll, we'll, make, we'll do that on the radio show. Yeah, yeah yes, that's a horse. giveaway. Yes. A giveaway. 1360, will you give your Tom? Or both? Are we, giving, are we giving Tom and the horse away? Or are we giving <laughs> no, away? We, we ask people to give their horse away to Tom. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah okay, Have you cool. got a horse with a sturdy back? <laughs> Call in. <laughs> Uh, Tommy, Tommy, I mean, success in radio, success in stand-up. You've also done uh, quite a lot on on the ABC TV. We've also seen your Celebrity Name Game project, that kind of stuff. Um, um, I think Celebrity Name Game is the thing I'm the most proud of. Yeah, uh, one of your greatest ever shows. It was awesome. Um, What about Warnable's (laughs) three-way FM? Oh, yes. Yes, that's where Alex and I started. Yes, yeah, and we go. didn't realise that that was a funny name for a radio station until much later. But there you go. I just oh, got that, that was my only question going to be, did you do something with the name? No. <laughs> no. Oh, sad. We didn't. No. <laughs> what's, what's, what's next for Tom Ballard? I mean, obviously, uh, the, the comedy's going well. We've got um, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, uh, which kicked off as well, which is going to be huge, uh, the show. What's it? Uh, it is I. Is that the it one? It is I. The stand-up yep. show. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. obviously, we're doing that. Awesome. Uh, are there any prospects for for TV stuff coming up, or what? Uh, any new projects that Tommy Ballard is uh, expected to be seen in, or what are we thinking? Cooking up. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited this year. The Amazon show that I filmed last year. I didn't do festivals last year because I was in Tassie for six months yep. filming the show Deadlock, which was written by the Cates, who did the catering show and Get yep. Kraken, who I loved, and I yeah got to act in a sort of medium-sized role in that. Um, and that was crazy. The budget on that was crazy. It's such a funny show. It's a, it's like a funny version of Broadchurch. Like they, the, the, the Kate's love, the film noir, um, procedural kind of thing. And it's that, but with comedy, but also with something to say about the state of Australia. And yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy that. So that being released into the world finally will be really cool. And the character I got to play was really fun. And I'd love to do more acting if, if that if that came up. Can I ask, did you get to do any ad lib or was it you mainly just sticking to the script and what the Kates had written? We started doing a bit of ad lib and then the production schedule got crazy to the point where people were yelling at us, being like, we just need to get this f- scene in the can, you idiots. So um, we, we can't use any of this. This is all, all trash. So I think we sort of stuck to the, but you know, you didn't need to riff. The scripts were so good. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, but doing more of that kind of stuff would be awesome. Yeah, awesome. So keeping that door open to move into TV stuff. Would you ever go back into radio again, Tommy? Um, based on this experience, no. Uh, <laughs> fair, no. fair enough. Fair enough. No, I loved it. I just, but I got to a point where the reason why I, I finished up. A- 
I was interviewing all these people who were doing cool stuff for the show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think I'd rather be one of them being interviewed about the cool thing that I'd made rather than working in the media. That was, that was just, I just had enough after four years. And I just, I love writing stuff and creating stuff. And um, I just think the media, the daily media is pretty relentless in terms of just the amount of turnover that, that kind of you got to produce. So oh, that's why we will be doing the horse thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We've got there to you do go. something. Yeah. Thank See? you. <laughs> See, this system forces you into doing stupid ideas like that. <laughs> It does. It does. <laughs> With our pants down as we <laughs> dance. Dance monkeys. Dance monkeys. Uh, look, Tommy. Um, We're going to let you go. You're going to let your cleaner in. He's going to go let the cleaner in. Yes, I simply must. He's got to go let the cleaner in. But before we do that, I mean. Pay her above award wages. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, what are we thinking, Jim? Tom Ballard, born funny, yes or no? Well, it's it's. Interesting, because I think at the start he said he wasn't born funny, mm. but I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and I think Tom Ballard was. Yeah, I, I think, think we're going to lock was. in Tom Ballard. Born funny, mate. How Holy shit. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I just think, again, that do funny and be funny thing, I think there, are, I do really think there is something people that work at being funny very, very in a very hard way. They just, they just, they, they work at it and try and figure it out that way and, and treat it like a job and a task to be unlocked. And there are other people. I'm thinking of like Anne Edmonds, for example. Yeah. Anne Edmonds is a, if she worked in accounts, she would be the funniest person in her <laughs> office, hands down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think yes, I've just become a smart ass and have figured out that making people laugh is the best way to get attention and validation. And so, yes, I kind of, I've worked hard, but I, I appreciate you saying that. No, thank you, Tommy. And uh, look, we appreciate anybody who gets in contact with either us or Tom Ballard, if they do have a horse that he could finally <laughs> sit on. The poor bloke, he, yeah. ha- he has to follow any horse ride in an Uber. Um, <laughs> and if you've enjoyed Tom Ballard, stick around for our next episode where we sit down with Toby yeah. and find out what he's, what he's Toby! doing. <laughs> Go and check him out, guys. Uh, it is eyes, his new, uh, his new stand-up show, Melbourne Comedy Festival. He is Absolutely unreal. Tommy Ballard, big round of applause, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks, Uh, team. Thanks for coming on board, funny. Cheers, guys. Oh, hey, you're still here. Well, you must have liked this then. I may as well give you a sneak peek for next week. It's another funny person. Hey, legends, it's Nick Cody here. Who gave us stuff like this. I do brekkie radio, I do gigs at night, I've got two kids under five, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I I know I'm not making it to 70. That's all I'll say. You know what I mean? More from them next week. See you then. Listener.